You know, whenever we go on vacation or go somewhere, I don't really know why it is, but I still love staying in a good hotel. And I don't really know why. Uh, I didn't take a lot of vacations as a child, so maybe I, I didn't get that out of me when I was a kid. But even now, I just enjoy it. I like the whole experience. I, I like walking up to someone who is waiting for me behind the desk with a smile on their face. And while they actually look like they're glad <laughs> that I'm there, turn the air on as cold as I want it. I think that's pretty awesome. And I see those like really overpriced snacks that like nobody better touch, right? Because you don't want anybody even opening a bottle of water because you don't want to pay eight bucks for it. But you still think it's so neat that all that's right there. Or maybe you go, you say, look at that neat, pretty gym they have that I'm not going to go to while I'm here. <laughs> or there's a pretty pool that I'm not going to visit while I'm here. Or maybe you like to jump on the big fluffy bed and go, man, it's just so comfy and cozy. And you know the best part of all? You leave your room for a little while and you come back. It's magically clean. All of a sudden the bed is made and there's fluffy towels all of a sudden. And you're like, wow, how did this happen? There's just something about staying in a good hotel. Like the whole experience is such a cool experience. And that is just one of many from the days of Jesus. You see, in the days of Jesus, most of the time they were called inns, and there weren't too many of them, and they were pretty shady. Usually they were the kind of place that attracted prostitutes and thieves, and like all kind of bad stuff typically happened in those inns. And unfortunately, usually your innkeeper was not one of the pillars of the community. They were usually seen as like a step or two above a tax collector, but, but still pretty close in the eyes of most. And so it wasn't seen as a very safe situation to go to an inn. That, that's why most people, most people preferred to stay with somebody they knew, to stay in somebody's home. Or for that matter, to even stay in the home of a stranger because they, would, they felt safer staying in the home of a stranger than they even would to stay in one of the inns. Now, if someone showed up at your door and they knocked on your door in the days of Jesus and they said, I'm hungry. I need a place to stay. I've been traveling a long way and I still have a lot further to go. There was a, a natural obligation, an understanding that you would open up your home to that person. Whether they were a close friend or maybe even a stranger. It was a thing called hospitality. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's something that's kind of become foreign to many of us today. And under this, this heading of hospitality, it could mean you, you feed them. It could mean you give them a place to stay. It could even mean that you entertain them in some way since they're your guests while they are there with you. It was just a very common foundational practice, okay? Just something everybody did. Very common. You say, well, Man, that's nice and all, but what if I've had a really busy week? Well, what if, I mean, things have just been so busy all week long, and you know, it's just, oh, I've barely even got supper together for my family, let alone having supper plans prepared for somebody who shows up unexpected. I mean, if somebody does show up, is it, is it okay 
is it okay if I just send them to the neighbor's house tonight because it has just really been a stressful week at our house. And you couldn't do that. But there would be consequences. Pretty severe consequences. You see, within the community, there would come great shame because you turned somebody away. Whether, again, stranger or friend. And nobody wanted to carry the burden of the shame of the community for not opening up their home. And so, again, it was just an understood practice that if you show up, I'm going to open my home to you. My home will become your home. Now, with all that being said, the parable we're going to look at this morning is a parable in which there's a man who wants to show hospitality but he's not prepared to show hospitality. And so he, he goes to someone who he thinks could help him. It's a short parable, but man, there's so much to it that we can learn. So in Luke chapter 11, I'm going to pick up reading in verse 5. He said to them, Which of you has a friend who will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Now, that's a nice little story. A nice quick parable. But why did Jesus tell it? Well, for its context, let's back up to verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Let's pause there a moment. Did the disciples not know how to pray? Of course they did. They were Jewish. Prayer has always been a, a huge part of the Jewish faith and the Jewish community. There was no doubt that these men, they knew those Jewish prayers. They would have been very familiar with prayer. So prayer in and of itself is not a, a foreign concept. So why then ask Jesus to teach them to pray? Well, maybe they wanted a prayer that would better reflect the doctrine of Christ. The teaching that Jesus was teaching. In the same way, seemingly, that John the Baptist had prayers that he had taught to his followers. Or maybe... Maybe the disciples of Jesus had just noticed that the prayer life of Christ, it was different. It was unlike anything that they had ever seen before. You see, the prayers of the Jewish community oftentimes were ritualistic. Uh, there, there would be a chanting almost. But the prayers of Jesus, prayers from a son to his father, are very personal very powerful, very different from what they were accustomed to. And of course, Jesus is happy to oblige in this, and Jesus teaches them a prayer that we oftentimes refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Picking up in verse 2, He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And immediately, immediately after this, Jesus tells a story about a man who is desperate for bread because he, he wants to be hospitable, but he's not ready, he's not prepared to be. And so he goes and he knocks on the door uh, of a friend 
to say, help me out. I think the key to understanding this parable is understanding that Jesus is asking a question. Specifically, He's asking a very rhetorical question. Again, notice at the beginning, He said to them, which of you? This is a question. It's going to be a long run-on sentence question. Which of you has a friend who will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Disciples, disciples, how many of y'all have a friend like this? How many of you have a friend that if you got up in the middle of the night and you went and you knocked on their door because you needed a little bit of assistance, how many of y'all have a friend that wouldn't even get out of bed to help you? Now some of us, we may be thinking of people right off the top of our heads, but for the disciples, they were probably sitting there thinking, no, no one. Why? Because everyone showed hospitality. It was a far-fetched concept to think that someone would go knock on the door of someone else needing help, needing bread to show hospitality, and that, that need wouldn't be met. That, that's such a far-fetched concept that they just can't begin to imagine. No one would have behaved that way. So what is this? It's a promise, an assurance that comes in this passage it's a promise that I need to be reminded of from day to day. That if we will pray like Jesus prayed, now I don't mean the exact words that He prayed, but if we will pray with the same heart, with the same heart that Jesus prayed, then we can be assured that God will hear us and that He'll answer our prayers. Now that doesn't mean that His answers will always be the answers that we desire. But again, this is a promise that I need to be reminded of. Listen, do you, you ever feel like your prayer life resembles maybe your cell phone conversation sometimes? You know, where sometimes you've got really good cell service and you can hear everything just great. And then other times your cell service just drops and you can't hear anything. Do you ever feel like your prayer life is kind of like that? Where sometimes your prayer life, it is really strong. Like there have been points in your life when you, you had a very good, healthy prayer life and you were just talking to God and it was this continual conversation between you and Him. And then at other times, it's like it wasn't even there. Other times you, you kind of feel like you've He's dropped service, you know, that you find yourself asking questions like, God, are you, are you still there? God, are you listening? God, are you too busy for me right now? God, do, do you care about everything that I'm, I'm going through? And we need to understand that that's not the problem, by the way. For Jesus would go on to say, I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Does God hear us? Absolutely. Does God care about what we're going through? You better believe it. Is God waiting to answer our cries? Yes. But again, we must understand that His will, 
His will is always going to be done. And sometimes the response of God, again, is not going to be what we necessarily have asked for. Why? Because His will will be done. He knows better than we do, oftentimes, what's truly in our best interest. We may not always understand that, the idea of His will. And at times, we may not even like or agree with what we know to be His will. But we can find great assurance in knowing that our God, that our God who is the Creator and Sustainer of life itself, that He loves us, that He hears us, and that however He answers us, He knows what is best for us. If you're a parent in this assembly, you should be able to understand that concept. You should be able to understand what it's like to make choices that go against the wishes of your children sometimes. Simply because you know what's best. And if we as parents can understand that concept, then there's no reason for us not to understand it when it comes to our Heavenly Father. There's no reason for us to reject it when it comes to Him. This simple parable, just a couple verses, but you know what? It should really have a powerful impact on our life. Because if we, we really begin to understand this text, then we should begin to grow to a point where we do two things. And I, I hope that these are the two things that you really leave with today. That we should begin to become a people who pray a whole lot more and worry a whole lot less. Is there anything in this life that you're worried about? Is there? Are you worried whether or not you're going to have enough money for retirement one day? Are you worried about whether or not you're going to be able to pay the utilities this month? Are you worried about your health or the health of someone that you love? Are you worried about your job? Are you worried about its security? Are you worried about school and how you're doing? Are you worried about friendships? Are you worried about family? Are you worried about your kids? Are you worried about your grandkids? As all the circumstances of your own life are flooding through your head right now, all the things that I know you worry about, you may have come in this assembly without any worries, but now they're here in front of you. You're welcome. <laughs> Life is full of worries. Satan takes the worries that we all have, and he uses those worries in such a way that it begins to slowly chip away <clears throat> at our own confidence in God our faith in Christ. Satan will use the worries because when we are so consumed by our worries of this life, you know what it does? And it does this to all of us when we find ourselves so consumed with worry. I don't realize it in the moment. It usually takes an awakening of sorts to step outside of myself and see it. But when I'm so consumed 
with my own personal worries in this life. I'm doing an awful lot of thinking about me and very little thinking about anybody else. Even if I say my worries are about someone else, a lot of times it's what? It's how what's going on in their life impacts me. So even that worry <coughs> can tend to make us very self-centered at times. <coughs> Excuse me. Our culture is filled with stress. It's filled with worry. And if I were to stand up here before you this morning and tell you, we all just need to stop worrying. That'd be a little simplistic. What I'd rather tell you is this. You don't have to worry. You have a door that you can approach day or night through this avenue of prayer. And you don't have to worry about the person behind the door being upset with you. And you don't have to worry about the person behind the door not being able to meet your needs. And you don't have to worry about the person behind the door not wanting to help you. And you don't have to worry about the person behind the door being upset because you're knocking on their door over and over again. Weren't you just here yesterday and you're back again? You don't have that worry with our Heavenly Father because He loves you so very, very much. And He wants to hear our cries. And He wants to hear our worries. But we should worry less. Excuse me, let me hit this verse real quick. Philippians 4 says, beginning of verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a promise. What an absolutely amazing promise that is available to every one of us. A promise reaffirming what Jesus had taught in that parable you don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious. But with thanksgiving, <coughs> with thanksgiving, you can come to God. And we do need to be a people that pray more. I recently read a study that said to the Christians who had been surveyed, most Christians only pray three to seven minutes each day. And that includes before their meal. Now let that sink in. That out of the Christians who had sur were surveyed, Christians only pray about three to seven minutes every day, including their meals. Some of you are wide-eyed in disbelief because you spend an awful lot of time with God in prayer every day. And you can't imagine only spending three to seven minutes. Others of you are wide-eyed because you can't imagine having three to seven minutes alone with God every day. 
I know we believe in prayer. I know that we believe that it's important. I hope we understand how powerful it can be. And if we understand those things, then why don't we pray more? I think one of the reasons is because we're not like the man knocking on the door. You remember the man knocking on the door for bread? <coughs> he was desperate. We don't always feel very desperate in this life. Truth be told, we're pretty comfortable folks. And a lot of times we feel like we have a good control over everything. So we don't feel as desperate as he did. Even the things that are out of control, oftentimes we think somehow we'll work it out. We'll fix it. You know what I'm saying here? We'll handle it. We still think we can do it. And as long as we think somehow we're in control, somehow we can fix it, somehow we can make it right, we'll never feel that desperate need to be banging on the door of our Heavenly Father. If you've lived any time on this earth, as most of us have, you have had those moments. You have had those life-altering moments where all you knew to do was drop to your knees and bow your head and go to God in prayer and in tears because you didn't know where else to turn. And He was there for you. We shouldn't have to wait for those moments. It shouldn't be an issue of moments of desperation cause us to go to God in prayer. We should be a people who understand that every good thing, and we enjoy so many good things every single day, every good thing is a gift from God. And if we really believe that, if we really understood that, then <clears throat> wouldn't we live a life of complete dependence and total surrender? Because we know He's in control. And we know all that we have is from Him. I know a verse that I'm sure you're very familiar with, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says do what? To pray without ceasing. That may seem like a pretty overwhelming goal if I'm only praying three to seven minutes a day at best. The idea of having this continual prayer life, a life where I'm praying without ceasing, that may really seem like a, a tough thing to comprehend So here's what I want to encourage you to do this week. I want to encourage all of us to do it if you're not already doing so. I want you to carve out time this week, every single day, from now until next Sunday, Lord willing, every single day, I want you to carve out 15 minutes of your day that you're going to set aside and you're going to spend time, just you and God, just the two of you. And if you're already doing that, awesome, keep it up. Add a little more time to yours, okay? But if you're like others of us and you're struggling with even that much, then set aside 15 minutes. And if you're sitting there right now thinking, it's probably a lot longer than it seems. What, what am I going to ask for for 15 minutes? What am I going to talk about for 15 minutes? I mean, my prayers are usually just, hey, God, thank you for the food. Uh, bless everyone that's sick. Forgive us our sins. Amen. That takes, doesn't take much of 15 minutes, does it? So what do you talk about? This week? along with showing your, thanks, your thankful heart for all that He has done, 
Don't be afraid to ask. Ask for whatever's on your heart. Understanding, though, understanding that His will is going to be done. And, and whatever you're asking for, make sure that you're doing it with that mindset that says, Lord, I'm going to come to you now and I'm going to ask for something. And I, I really feel like it's something that you would want for me. And it seems really big to me right now, but I know it's not bigger than you. Don't be afraid to ask God to help your marriage heal. Don't be afraid to ask God to give you the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody that you love. Don't be afraid to, to ask God to help you to grow in your faith so that the, the roots of your life, the spiritual roots of your life can, can sink down deeper and deeper so that you're better prepared to face the storms of life as they come. Don't be afraid to ask God, God, I love my church family so much. Would you help us grow in this new year? Help us to grow spiritually. Help us to grow numerically. Help us to grow in our individual relationships with you. Help us to grow in our collective faithfulness. Help us to let our light shine and give us opportunities to do that. Do you ask God for the big things? Because if we'll ask God for the big things that reflect His will, just sit back and wait. Because His will will be done. Jesus said, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Ask. Ask, because you have a Heavenly Father who knows so much better than you, first of all, what you need. <laughs> and He knows even more so than any of us the good that He can do through us and for us. If we'll ask. As an earthly parent, you think you do a pretty good job of giving good gifts, and you do. But you're also evil. <laughs> so you don't give the best gifts. But you know who does? Your Heavenly Father. Ask. Knock on the door. Don't be afraid to knock. Because behind that door is a Heavenly Father who is anxiously waiting to hear from you. And again, He's not going to be upset because you're knocking at 2 o'clock in the morning. And He's not going to be upset because you're asking for help. And He's not going to be upset because, well, son, you should have been prepared and you should have had those three loaves already. And if you had been prepared, well, we wouldn't be sitting here in this mess right now. He's not waiting to lecture you about what you should have done before you found yourself in the mess. He's just waiting to open the door and to answer our cry. He hears our prayers. He hears our cries. If we will pray, we will strive to pray with the heart of Jesus. There's no telling what can be done. Maybe this morning, maybe there's something in your life that you would like for us as your church family to pray with you and for you about. So we'd be honored to do that. We always are. Maybe it's not something that you want to make known publicly. 
Maybe it's a prayer that you would prefer to, to be private in nature. Listen, our shepherds are here. Grab one of them by the arm before you leave here and, and pull them off to the side and talk to them so they can pray with you. Or maybe it's something that you would like for us, the ministers, to be praying about. I tell you what, I'm so glad that we have begun this. Uh, the four of us, myself and Dave and John and Austin, we get together every Monday morning. And it's the way we begin our week is we just spend time in prayer, in prayer for one another, and in prayer for you, in prayer for whatever may be going on in our lives or in yours. There's something for us that you would like for us to be praying about. Just write it down. Let me know so we can be praying for you because I have no doubt you're praying for us. But if we can meet this need or any need that you might have, won't you come as we stand and sing?